and welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Jeanette Rodriguez. Jeanette is from Central Washington. She did her undergraduate studies at Heritage University and graduated with a BS in biomedical science. As an undergrad, she did two summers of research at WSU in Dr. Amit Dingra's research experience for undergrads program and was placed in the weed science lab with Dr. Ian Burke. She enjoyed her time in this program so much that in the summer of 2016, she joined his lab as a master's student. She is now in the process of finishing up her degree and defending her thesis on herbicide resistance in jointed goat grass. Hello, Jeanette. Hi, Drew. So, exciting time trying to finish up that master's degree and on a very interesting project. So I'd like to visit with you a little bit about that. So um, jointed goat grass, where was this resistant jointed goat grass sample found and in what crop? So it was found in 2015 and it was found in eastern Washington, so close by to Pullman. Um, it was on a continuous rotation of Clearfield winter wheat, and the grower brought in a sample, and we decided to go on with this project and see where it led. Okay, so kind of um, the situation as a wheat scientist, I've been saying we shouldn't do. Exactly. Uh, developed what we feared, but it, it, I guess it did take longer than I, than I, when this technology came out in about 2000, I thought it was about a 10-year technology, and it's almost lasted twice that long. Uh, and this is, I think, the first... Yeah, case of resistant jointed goat grass in the country, isn't it? Yeah, to our knowledge, this is the first sample that we've received in the weed science lab with Dr. Ian Burke. Um, we're hoping that maybe this will broadcast this more and other growers will take an interest. And if they see anything developing, they can send it into our program and we can screen it. All right, great. So um, what is the jointed goat grass sample resistant to? So the sample was sent in with the suspicion of a Mazamox resistance. The Mazamox is Mazamox. the active ingredient beyond herbicide, mm -hmm. so then, the clear field wheat system. Exactly. So we went ahead and tested it to the Mazamox, and then we also tested it to Mesosulfuron because Mesosulfuron is also used to control, suppress, not really control it. So we threw that in there and, to test it. So our sample came back positive for Mazamox and Mesosulfuron resistance. Okay. So. And Mesosulfuron is the active ingredient in Osprey. Correct. Okay. So resistant to both. It was sent in because they thought it was a Mazamox, but through testing you found it was resistant to both uh, Mazamox and Mesosulfuron. Mm -hmm. exactly. Interesting. Okay, what is the level of resistance? Is it one time or two times more resistant, four times? So for the Imazimox, it was 14 times more resistant oh than my. our tested susceptible, which is very high, what we're seeing based on what an application rate would be in a typical field. Uh, the mesosulfuron was five times more resistant than our susceptible. So again, five times. It's just yeah. incredible how much it was resistant. Okay, so it'd be basically become uneconomical to try to exactly. control it with the, either one of those products. Mm -hmm. Why is a Mazamox resistant jointed goat grass such a concern? So the resistant jointed goat grass poses a threat to the new technology of the Clearfield winter wheat because we have limited herbicide options for controlling it. Yeah, I remember b back in Nebraska before Clearfield wheat, 
uh, it was not an easy weed to deal with. And then mm -hmm. Clearfield wheat came along, and all of a sudden we had a very effective tool. And now we're in jeopardy of, of losing that, which would be a big hit, I think. Yeah, it becomes difficult to treat annual weeds and annual crops. Which yeah. is and goat grass is genetically related to exactly. winter wheat, so it makes it even more difficult. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I would have expected that we would have seen this resistance pop up maybe five 10 years ago. We haven't. Why, why has it taken so long, do you think, um, for this resistance to show up? I think growers have been using the technology with Clearfield and using crop rotation and not just depending on this technology um, to work with the goat or to suppress the goat grass with mesosulfuron and imazimox. So I think that now maybe um, the way that it was used wasn't the proper stewardship by just using a con continuous Clearfield rotation, maybe throwing in a fallow and the mutation could have developed over time. Okay. It definitely has lasted longer than many thought. And, you know, as far as I know, this is the only case. So um, if the grower can do a good job of eradicating this, maybe yeah. it won't, won't spread and it'll be a while yet before it get, becomes a widespread problem. Exactly. What are some of the preventive strategies uh, people can use to control jointed goat grass? I think controlling in a fallow, so maybe spraying out with glyphosate if you do see dense patches, um, doing some crop rotation into the pulses, that's another way. You can take advantage of the ACCase inhibitors, throw those in and help eradicate your joint goat grass population. So was this a case, I know um, there was some work done in Oregon by Dr. Carol, Carol Mallory-Smith about the potential risk of hybridization of, of the pollen from uh, uh, mazamox-resistant wheat crossing over to goat grass, which is related, and then that's the way it was delivered. Do you think that's how this occurred, or was it some other um, That was method? an initial concern because we really didn't know much about it when we first started working with it. Prior to me coming in and taking over this project, someone actually used the BASF genotyping protocol that they have, um, went through the whole procedure, and then were able to rule out that it wasn't a case of that particular mutation that's in the um, clearfield variety. It wasn't what we found in our... Resistant so, grass population. Okay, so it was developed through just a natural, natural mutation, mutation out process. in the field and by repeated selection yes. pressure on the population. Okay. What type of resistance are you seeing in the resistant jointed goat grass? So what we're seeing is a target-based resistance with uh, an amino acid substitution in the ALS gene that is causing the high levels of imazimox resistance and what we're seeing with the mesosulfuron, the SUs. And the ALSs. Okay, so just a single amino acid substitution and, and changes the shape of the... Of the little protein yeah, and binding sites, I, and you don't get effective control with your mazamox. Okay. So it's not like what we're seeing or what people are seeing with, like, um, kochia, where the kochia is just producing more and more, oh, okay. um, metabol or more and more e ESPS mm -hmm, synthase, activity. so you just can't get enough glyphosate into the plant. Yeah, no, this, this is actually a more of the... mutation, yeah. yeah. Which, it's what we're, we're thinking based on uh, the genetic testing that I've been doing in the lab and what we're seeing. Uh, we also created a biparental population, so we actually crossed a resistant and a susceptible uh, journey okay. goat grass. So we were able to track the mutation as it was being um, brought down to the F2 population. Okay, and what did you see there? We were also able to see that, so we started with the alanine-122 mutation, which is what we saw that was causing the resistant in our original jointed goat grass. And we crossed it with a susceptible biotype, and as we crossed it in our second generation, we were able to see that 
uh, the population segregated. So some of it was resistant, some of it was susceptible, and then some of it had an intermediate kind of category. And we were able to track that point mutation down to the progeny. Okay, so you have a pretty good idea how, how this resistance uh, works, and, and um, that's pretty important information, too, when exactly. it comes to how we go about managing. So you mentioned earlier um, the ACCase inhibitors working. Uh, Assure2 um, is a product that we use quite a bit in, in pulse production. Will that uh, be effective? Select Assure2, those kinds of products are still effective on this, or are there some cross-resistance there? Uh, we did a... We did another screening where we used the ACCase inhibitors and ALS inhibitors, and clethodin and quazalopop both controlled the joint goat grass population. So we're not seeing cross-resistance within the different herbicide modes of actions. Okay, that's good. So some resistance within the group 2. Any other group 2s showing resistance other than mesosulfuron and imazepam? Um, we saw imazepic, um, rimsulfuron, and trifloxysulfuron that also flagged in our screening of the resistant population. So those didn't quite control the, resist, the okay. resistant population. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So uh, we've seen uh, the group twos, which we've had now for almost 20 years, There's, we're seeing more and more resistance issues. And it sounds like goat grass, which uh, like I said, back in the 90s was a major problem. Clearfield mm -hmm. Week came along, really gave our growers a solution. And uh, hopefully we're not about to lose that. Uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, not. And, and, and even the mesosulfuron, the fact that it's resistant yes. to mesosulfuron is somewhat troublesome because that's what most growers use in the non-clear field exactly. to stay on top of it. And it's not only the goat grass that we're seeing this. We're receiving other samples. We test downy brome, telling ryegrass, and we're also seeing some beyond resistance in that brome samples that we've been getting. So yeah. reliance on the group twos is causing trouble with trying to control all these different weeds. So... Um, you haven't published your thesis yet, but if somebody wants to go learn a little bit more about this, is there any information, they, any place they can go to learn about it, or do we wait for your thesis to come out and then we all check it out of the library? Uh, some of my work was actually presented at the conference at the WSWS. Okay, at the Western Society of yeah, Weed Science. Yeah, so I have okay. an abstract. I presented a poster and I gave a talk. So okay. there's some information there, and yeah, we'll just have to wait for my thesis. Okay, and what do you plan on doing after your uh, degree? Uh, hopefully land a job somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm looking at moving to Iowa, so okay. hopefully some prospects down there and learn some different cropping systems down there and exciting future. Okay, well, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.